Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So what I want to talk about with Onyx on this one is let's go back and talk about the different icon colors. And I've been really utilizing these a lot for whitetails and change it, being able to change the colors, keep your waypoints categorized. When you look at it, whether it's on your phone or you're on the hunt app on the computer, you're able to really see some of the important things. So I highlight all my trail cameras in light blue, all my tree stands in uh, royal blue, and the rest of them in the you know the typical Onyx orange color. But why I do that is the trail cameras and the tree stands are important for me when I'm looking at it from a high level strategy. It's easy for waypoints when you start marking a lot to get all jumbled and everything. So by using the different colors, I'm able to keep that categorized and easily be able to identify those areas. So to save yourself 20% off that Onyx Hunt app, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW. Save yourself 20% off of the app. And Maven Optics. So Maven has come out with the highest quality optics from binoculars, spot and scopes, rifle scopes, at half the price of their competitors to their direct-to-consumer business model. What's really cool about Maven is that you can go online and you can customize these binoculars and, and spotting scopes and make them your own. You know, change the body color, change some of the ring colors, anything else, uh, be able to personalize it. Anything from, from that standpoint with customization, you can do that with Maven, have your own unique, um, you know, even engraved into your optics. So if you want to get a free gift with any of your order, head over to mavenbuilt.com, use coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT, and you'll get a free gift with any order. And lastly, University of Elk Hunting, Corey Jacobson and Elk 101 have put together the most fully comprehensive elk hunting learning course available. And this course and you'll hear Michael talk about it. I mean, it's in this podcast, it's been, you know, great and a huge resource for us to be able to learn it. The internet's full of amazing resources, but this brings everything in one place, keeps it simple, keeps your time spent, uh, you know, away from going, reading through a bunch of stuff on forums and stuff like that. That's not really useful and applies it directly to you know all in one place so if you want to check out the university of elk hunting use the coupon code east meets west save yourself 20 percent over elk101.com all right this episode this one's a fun one uh we definitely you know get riled up on it as as normal and uh but it's a lot of really good you know lessons learns lessons learned we had you know, we had uh, some great days here and in the few days since we, you know, released the last episode. And I think you can really learn a lot from it. So before we get into that, I just wanted to let everyone know that I am back from, you know, the Idaho hunt, obviously. 
and all orders are shipping now from the website for any of the East Meets West apparel and you know the now gene bottles, stickers, decals, everything like that is live on the website and ready to ship. I have you know some of the stuff that was out of stock when I was gone have that coming in so that's available to order now and a bunch of cool stuff coming there so check out the the website there you get free shipping on any orders over $75 so head over to eastmeetswesthunt.com to check that out and lastly uh the new Sika fanatic line you know has dropped this year and I was a part of the testing phase of that last year in Alberta. If you listen to the podcast back with when I did with Jim Hole Jr. and the SICA team while we were there, uh, that gear is out now. And you can, if you check out some of the product videos, you might see a, a familiar face there. And also the the new film, which they haven't promoted yet, but it's online on YouTube called The Quiet Place is the film all about Jim Hole Jr.'s, just his operations, his just fanatic, you know, mindset when it comes to whitetails and the hunt. And I was really pumped to get to be a part of that film. So you can check that out over on Sick of Gears YouTube page. All right, well, let's uh, jump into the podcast here with the guys at Elk Camp. Welcome back to the East Meets West Hunt Podcast. This is your interim host, Michael Palladino, with the uh, one and only 5x5 killer, Bo Martonic, the more well-known killer in the family, Mason Martonic, and the new up-and-comer photography filmmaker, Justin. And uh, we're going to do a couple-day recap here. It's been about, I think, three days since we've done one of these. Yep, it's been three days but uh, not it, it's not that we didn't record them for lack of action, let's put it that way. Yeah, late nights is kind of the problem here. But who should kick this off here? Maybe Mason. Yeah, I'll take it back to a couple of days ago, the last big event that happened to me where uh, right off the bat, first late, spotted, spotted a couple cows and just assumed that there was a bull with them, took off after them. It was a really rainy, shitty day. And uh, climbed the mountain, got in position where I thought they were going to come through a saddle, and nothing was nothing was happening. So I decided to make a trip and start moseying moseying my way over to where I saw them last, and try and get some altitude or some elevation above them so they didn't see me as much. And uh, here they they climbed a lot of elevation on their own, and I ended up found myself in the middle of the herd. Uh, there's some cows there too that really helped really helped me sneak in on these uh these elk moo cows i mean and uh pretty much they're making so much noise the elk were focused on figuring out what was making the noise and i was slipping in had a couple cows that i spotted bomb off the hill and then uh hearing a lot of crashing down below me and thought for sure that the a bull was going to pop out at 40 yards and waited and waited and then i hear something something like basically trees snapping and raking above me and I turned around right where the cows were there's a real nice five by five bull and it was about 115 yards at this point I started sneaking in whenever I could and he was focused on the moo cow down below me so 
any chance I had where he wasn't focused on looking looking for danger, I started slipping in, and I got uh, about 80, 75, 80 yards of him, and through the mahogany trees, I, I just couldn't get a shot at him. I, I was pulled back twice on him. Uh, a couple times I thought I just needed one step, but, but elk take a lot bigger steps than deer, and they were through my openings before I even had a chance. I uh, tried mewing at him, and then uh, a cow answered me above him, and he took off after the real cow, and that was about it for my morning. Yeah, when and it was cool because we were all glassing from a distance, and we're able to see. We couldn't see Mason because he's so damn stealthy, but uh, that we were able to watch uh, <laughs> watch the elk, and uh, we we figured out when Mason must have made a little bit of a wrong move when they. Uh, I'll took off around the mountain at that point. Yeah, I think the thermals finally switched on me because they, they did end up above me at, at that point. Yeah. But it was funny. We were all watching them. I know Justin had a game plan. Bo had a game plan. I had a game plan. John had a game plan. And it was Mason, obviously, in the end, was the one that had, had the game plan. We're like, oh, if he goes up now, if he goes left now. and But none of us no. knew where he was at. We, we, had all no. thought, <laughs> yeah. we all thought he was in different places. We hadn't up. even seen him in hours. And we're like, I bet he's right there, right on top of him. The bull would take 30 yards up the hill oh i bet he's going right towards them you know yeah. <laughs> so optimistic the whole time I, yeah. I kept looking looking down at you guys trying to get some hand signals but when you can't see me it doesn't doesn't do much good i can look all i want man when you're wearing that good gear you're supposed to blend in we're not supposed to see you that's right <laughs> but yeah that that bull though is something i mean we you know we kind of jumped right to the, the story there but that bull we'd watch now for two three days that bull had been you know coming out in similar areas and we kind of just watched him instead of making a move which is so different than anything that i've done in the past where you can actually glass them and move and you're not just kind of blindly going through you know those bedding areas and it was it was a, a unique experience to see how we could you know make that move on it and mason did everything right but just wasn't able to to pull through so you know, after that, it, it seemed like it was a little bit slower. You know, you, Michael, you spotted some cows then yesterday evening, and uh, that jumps into today. Yeah, but back, like you were saying, when you're watching the same 5x5 five five for three or four days in a row, making moves on them in the evening based on what they did in the morning and just being one one uh, uh, saddle away, like multiple days in a row on both Mason and I, you learn a lot about them. So we've been with this five by five now for like three or four days, really hunting them hard. And when Mason came back saying he was full draw a couple of times, I mean, we have some investment here in this bull. So we were pretty pumped for him. And, uh, so then, then this morning here, we were all sitting up glass and actually I think it was just at this time, Mason and I, <clears throat> there's no, no elk out. Uh, it was a pretty cold night. I think it rained. I can't remember. It wasn't, it wasn't the best evenings, and uh, we decided to. Uh, I, I would decide to turn around and look at a different area and, and glassed up uh, four or five muleys. Uh, one being a decent, a decent mule deer, especially for around here, from what we've seen. Real dark horns, uh, respectable, uh, four by four. So I, I put a stock on that. I uh, that was pretty fun. It, it definitely that that's maybe previous to tonight. That's my cup of tea. I really like spot stock, uh, looking over at the guy's glass. And if they're all glass in one area, even if they're not giving hand signals, if they're all glass in one area, there's a pretty darn good chance that the, bu the bu uh, bucks are still there. Uh, glass, glass them up about 100, 120 out. <clears throat> Decided on two different routes I should take. 
I got in, I can't remember the yardage now, but it was definitely bow range. I'm going to say it was like 38, 42 range, something in that neighborhood. And the uh, dark horn buck uh, was shielded by two by two that I did not see. So I just couldn't get a shot. They looked at me. I stood up when they picked their heads up and I just couldn't see the deal. I could have forced one, but just wasn't worth it for, this is our elk hunt. Uh, We'll have other opportunities. Uh, Yeah. And, and from there, you know, then as the the morning kind of ended there, we kind of came up with a different game plan where Michael and Michael was going to do one plan going up to the same area, basically that the five by five had been coming through with the cows in the past while Mason and John were going to be going to another area that John had been scouting and they were going to be climbing some significant, you know, elevation gain and everything so they uh they went a different direction and i just went up onto the highest clear point that i could have and just glass the surrounding area maybe turn up a mule deer buck and also you know check to see where those elk were going to be coming out with uh where michael was was hanging out at so but i i had a very uneventful night and thought everybody else did too but that really wasn't the case so i'll kind of kick off here with our game plan uh, John was really uh, wanting to get out and about. He's been sitting around tagged out over a week ago now, almost 10 days ago now. Uh, so he was really itching to kind of get some feet on the ground. Uh, talk Mason into going on one of the toughest hikes in this very local area. It is not an easy hike. It is very steep, a lot of elevation gain. They came back and said it was like 15, 20 degree temperature differences. They're getting snowed on. And so they went up that way after a herd that he was pretty sure was in the area. And I was like, Mason, I'm, I think I'm just going to go to that knob that you went to yesterday. And he's like, yeah, if you go into these trees, you'll be good. So I got into the trees where he said, uh, right around 430, I think it was actually 425 because I wanted to be there at 430 and I made it there a little, a little earlier than expected, which is, which was nice. And, uh, it just didn't like where it was. I, I knew what I was there to be looking over. Uh, that area is really uh, a, a main travel route for that five by five. And I, I, I just, I just wasn't, I wasn't looking for it. I uh, kind of wanted to get in them, see if I could find something, maybe put some glass on something. So I actually snuck up over the top where Mason sat the night before. And as soon as I came over the top, I saw some cows, uh, some cow elk in the uh, very top corner of the meadow and saw after a little while, the five by five, I was like, oh, Hey, you know, within 150 yards of where he's been. Uh, so it was exactly what I was looking for, but there's no stock opportunity. The wind was terrible. And I was kind of piddling around there and a bugle just rips off in front of me. Like very, what what I thought at the time was a, 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 a big bull, just uh, a, a bugle that you knew was a good bull. And so I was kind of not in a great spot to, to do anything with the left to right wind the five by five to my front right, I just was kind of in, in a tough spot. So I hunkered down into pines and decided just going to do a couple calling sequences, raking some trees, imitating what they were doing and really try to pull the six by six down. Cause he had no cows. The five by five had all the cows. Uh, the six by six ended up being a very nice bull, probably you know, uh, something I would love to take home well over uh, I'm not going to say well over, but I, I would assume over 300 inches just by looking at him for the amount of time I did. And I was like, man, that's a, that's going to be a great, a great opportunity if I can get up in there. And in the meanwhile, a raghorn comes from my left 
and I just catch some movement, catch a glimpse of him in the bottom meadow. And I was like, you know what? Game ch- uh, change of plans here. If this three by four comes by, which I thought he had to, I was going to uh, shoot that three by four. Uh, three by four actually ran past me full sprint up, went right through my wind all the way up to the five by five and whoop that five by five back and forth across that field. And that was so cool to watch that five by five. We've been watching all week with all the cows just got his butt handed to him by the raghorn. The raghorn collected up all the does and went up over the ridge right past the six by six, like no cares given. What do you think that, do you think that Little raghorn had like little man syndrome or something, or what do you think was going on there? Yeah, he definitely was that, uh, like that 130 pound wrestler that you never really knew had until he tried getting on you. It's yeah, one of those types just of just came running in <laughs> full force. Before, Mike? Oh, yeah, being a wrestler, yeah. definitely. I'd be like, oh, I can whoop this kid. Next thing you know, it's the lightweight that pounded me. It's like, where did this kid come from? <laughs> <laughs> you forget that they have this unknown strength because you got to show, like, make up for it. Yeah. But yeah, so that was cool. I was. I was actually rooting for the three by four. I was like, that's that was awesome. And now the three by four blew the the top out, so I was like, I could probably run around and try to sneak up on that six by six. He was just screaming his face off, raking. I uh, make a real long story here shorter. I kind of played him around, and I kept having to drop down, loop around for the wind, and it was just just a lot of hiking. How far was that route? You think from when you started to. I wish I wish I even knew. I, I know for sure in the two and a half hour time period I was putting on miles. It was I was working as hard as I've worked in the woods. I, I'm not a great endurance hiker by any means. And uh <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. And uh I was getting after it. I was humping it, getting up and down those hills. And and every time they bugled it was just like a race, somebody cheering you on. So I was like, man, I got to get there, got to get there, pouring sweat. I was down to my base layers, and it's it's cold tonight. I was in my base layers in my, uh, in my pants there running up over the hills, and every time the big bull bugled, I was just on them. It was probably, would you say it was below 40 degrees, around 40? Up there, I'm sure it was. Yeah. yeah. I think my Garmin said it was 39. Yeah, it felt cold. Plus, it's worth mentioning the moisture in the air from all that rain. You yeah, know, it's like wet. It, yeah, it's cold Everything is wet. Um, so I ran around these bulls and it's just like what you dream of when you think of an elk rut. There's three, at this point, three bulls bugling, getting after it, uh, uh, chasing, chasing cows. They actually weren't really chasing cows. They're just more worried about beating the shit out of all the brush, which is awesome. And, uh, out of nowhere, uh, a big bull came up from the bottom Definitely at this point, he was looking to be the herd bull. He was moving in to take over. I uh, got a real good look at him. He was a six by eight, had a real palmated right main beam. I uh, got a, had a bunch of points there. And I watched him roll in, and he was just, his bugle was above and beyond the, the six by six. Super growly. And I, I just one of those ones that pierced right through your skin, sends shivers down your spine. I heard him glunking. At 50 yards, just for endless. Wiggle, give us a glunk. Let's hear a glunk. Oh, I'm not good at glunking. Oh, you got it. You got a glunk, dude. <laughs> uh, I think it was like a, like a. Now follow that with your best bugle and chuckle. Oh, I can't. I don't want my bugle in there. But he was growling. He was like. Rah! There we go. That's <laughs> what I was looking for. <laughs> so I. Uh, uh, when you're When you're in that close and you can hear him glunking the way they were. 
and I kept seeing them moving through. I, I knew I was in it. Now, at this point, six by eights there, six by sixes there, five by fives there. Raghorn is somewhere, and I just knew the Raghorn was kind of a boss in there beating up that five by five, so I figured he'd be a player, which he actually kind of faded off. I don't know what happened to him, but this six by eight was just destroying trees. I was watching him flip logs that were on the ground, just rolling them over, destroying these mahoganies, breaking you know, main limbs off the mahogany's tearing them up. Uh, six by sixes and five by five below and above were, were just destroying, pawing at the ground. Anytime they were thrashing, another bull was bugling. And then the other bulls were cutting them off. I was only cutting off the main bull, really trying to only one-on-one -on -one with the main and not the satellites so much. Not like they weren't great bulls, but I had my eye on that, that big bull. Uh, 34 yards on a 5x5 five five ice full draw because the 6x8 kind of disappeared. And uh, as soon as I was, I was so close to pulling on it or pulling, pulling the trigger, had a good shot, quartering away. It wasn't ideal. His front end was kind of behind the bush, so I, I figured I could sneak it on the side of the bush and have a great pass. And this was the 5x5 five five at this point? It was the 5x5, five five and that 6x8 just screams a bugle, directed right at me, like one of those for sure you knew, and he was on me, just just standing on top of me. Uh, so I let down and just started raking as hard as I could, because he was raking. And, and uh, well, Michael, just, I don't, don't mean to cut you off here. No, you're but, good. But does that, I mean, that's a that's a tough scenario there where, you know, uh, you know as well as I do that you'd be more than happy with that five by five. But when you have that six by eight there, it's like, what the hell do I do? Like, what 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 through your mind to to have you make that decision not to shoot the five yeah, by five? Yeah, that's super, that's a super good question because everybody here knows me. Uh, like around this fire here knows that you put a cow in front of me, I'm gonna shoot the cow. If you put a really <laughs> doe in front of me, cow. I'm an opportunity <laughs> hunter. I'm a meat hunter. I love the the harvest aspect of of the hunt I, I do thoroughly enjoy butchering it the animal and getting to be like all hands on for the whole process I really enjoy that um so you put a cow in front of me and I'd lace it in a heartbeat but it's that also that competition aspect that I that I like to have and, and I I know these guys here the same way it's like you're settling for third place when everything's within fifty yards you're literally just saying yeah I'm alright with third place. Because the story's going to, I was going to tell a story. If, and then I'd be like, yeah, I settled on a 5x5. Five five, and I'm not a big fan of just settling. I was like, I know this 6 by eight's here. He is on me. I've called him in now multiple times. He's fallen on back. He's He came in. He's fallen back. He's came in. And I just felt like at that time it was the best, the best opportunity for something that, that was just so impressive. It was, it was the good end of a, a of a story there. So I put all my effort and all my eggs in one basket there and really tried to, if he chuckle bugled, I tried chuckle bugle, even though I never practiced that, which was a little rough, but ended well. <laughs> and then he was bugling and chuckling and just everything. And the, the satellites were, were sounding off and they were cutting each other off. And this is two and a half hours I've been on these bulls in range multiple different times, running around, getting back in range. 20, 30 cows all around me. Sometimes I'm raking, looking at cows, looking at me, and just they did not care. And I'm just 
pounding these trees with everything I had, pawing at the ground. And that's so surprising that the cows didn't worry. Just some of the encounters I've had in the past, the bulls didn't care as much, but the cows, once they spotted you, would be you know, on you and they're more, usually more alert, but it sounds like they were, there was so much going on at that time that they didn't even know what to do. They realized all testosterone that was coming out from that side of the tree and they realized it's not even worth it. They yeah. Just, they, yeah. They, they saw you in your eye and they're like, oh, he, he wants a bull. We're not worried about that. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. When you get that many elk in that area and it, I think it's worth mentioning too. Today's the first day since we've been here that we've seen any rut activity, you know, yeah. that much serious rut activity, serious rut activity. Yeah. There's so Playing. many elk down there that they don't all know where each other are. They just know they're in the same vicinity. So when Michael's in there crashing around and making noise and making calls, they kind of just think he's one of the herd, you know, as yeah. long and as with that many good. bulls, I can hundred percent, like you saying that with that many bulls to them, like, if there was a bull and then me, they'd probably pay more attention. But because there's so many bulls oh, yeah. and so many cows, what's another loud noise right on the other side? No, and they've been hearing that all day or yeah. all afternoon, I should say. So you being in there doing the same thing they're doing, you know, it's kind of, I don't know. I guess I don't know how to word it, but they're they're not used to it. But they're also not, like you said, if it was just you, one other bull and a bunch of cows, they'd all be staring at you. But since there's three or four bulls, they're kind of rutting each other around. And one thing now kind of thinking back here after you actually stating that when I wasn't in range, I never called. I never once let them know I was there. I never once gave them a location where I was coming from. So I just appeared. I just was in the mix. Mm -hmm. I would, I was getting in there. I'd see some movement. I'd keep an eye on it. I'd get up a little bit more. I'd keep an eye on it. And as soon as I was absolutely in the mix, I was letting off bugle or, or raking. I was never once, I can say I was never bugling more than a hundred yards out from these bulls because they were making so much ruckus. I could get in on them for sure. Knowing where they were. Yeah. I mean, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no reason for you to give out your location when they're sounding off on their own and you can just slip in. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess it's, I guess it's a good thing to note too is the date as of right now is September twentieth. Just so for everyone's reference. Yeah, yeah. This is this is where you should be. You know, this activity is where it should be for this time of year. We had a bad storm the other day. Like this, the moon is is uh, actually I I think we don't have a moon at this point right now. Yeah, it was full when we first got here, and now it's dropped off. So that's that's one good thing that we have in our favor. The temperature, daytime temperatures have dropped yep. damn near, degrees, no, degrees. probably 30 degrees. Oh, yeah, because when, when we started, started definitely. When I, when I shot my bull that day, it was probably close to 80 degrees oh, it, by the, the peak, if not higher. Yeah. Oh, I felt it when I hiked up in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that that a lot of things are going in favor. The only thing is it's Friday and these bulls are active and this place has become a, this is not a, you know, just us hunting this area. That's for darn sure. There's a lot of people moved in. So to kind of finish the story, cause I know I'm getting long winded and I can do that in some of these. So I, uh, out of nowhere, just a bull from the bottom, never bugled, never did anything. Just a new bull to the whole show, to the whole mix just comes up. And is the most impressive bull in the whole group. I never had him in bow range. So I never had a true opportunity. I could never make a play because he never did anything to let me make a play. But he only chuckled. And I would almost call it like a buck growl. Like in the 
PA Woods, if I heard it, I'd be like, oh, that was a buck growl. Like Let's hear it. You, you hear every once in a while. And this cow... or this <laughs> No, he's not going to do it. No, I can't do it. There's no... It was just, just a unique, grumbly chuckle, like watching his belly chuckle the whole way. Um, he wasn't up. an LB, that's for sure. Yeah, he yeah, definitely no LB there. <laughs> I'd have to say the MD was out on that one. And yep, he was for sure. moving in. But he came up chuckling on the side of the avalanche shoot, 100% in the open, no care to be behind, shaded behind anything. Walked up the side of the avalanche shoot, got in there, destroyed a tree just like everybody, everyone else was doing, collected up all the cows and went over the top. There was not a bugle. There was nothing. It was almost like every single cow in that whole area was like, hey, hey, here he is. Time to go. And left at least three bulls in there kind of standing there. Like, what just happened? I, I honestly felt like that's what they thought because I know that's what I thought. And uh, Good for him. I appreciate that in a good bull. Just coming in out of nowhere, swooping up all the cows and heading on out. It's that old Tom mentality. <laughs> it's kind of like, yeah. like me sweeping in, you know? Yeah. Walking to the bar, there's you know, a bunch of chicks stand there with all you guys trying to hit on them, and I just swoop in and take them all. <laughs> yeah, that's Roll exactly up. how that goes. Yeah, <laughs> Brood, stack tight. Yep. But uh, it is like that old story, <laughs> the, the old bull mentality. <laughs> just let all the other boys play, and it's my time. And I wish I had that actually on video because I was taking some video on my cell phone just on the ground. And just knowing when seeing what that 6x6 six six was doing, I, I, I felt like the game's over. This guy has is on a mission, and he was and he did. He he cleaned up house, rolled out over. Uh, the other elk, I couldn't really. They they kind of quit bugling. I actually thought I might have busted them when I was watching that six by six. But uh, I did try doing a couple cow calls to be like, "Hey, I'm over here. I'm the last cow up here. Don't forget about me." And they didn't give two shits. Probably because I suck at cow calling, but whatever. And then the I hustled up over the hill to go to the other cow herd that I knew was in a, in a different, uh, basin and dipped so, in, what's that? No, no, keep going. Keep dipped going. Dipped in and, and I was two, there were two benches higher than I, than when I left them and blew them out, which really didn't make me too happy just cause I hate bumping elk just because I was in a hurry and it just wasn't a good play. It was, I had adrenaline rush for two and a half hours, thought I could just run in there, get set up on that herd and and hoping those other those other uh, bulls came to check them. Just didn't make a good play. The thing is, though, when you're hunting elk and they're rutting like that and you're constantly dogging the herd, you got to make things happen on a situation like that because today could have been a rut day and they could be silent for the next week, especially if all this pressure moves in for the weekend. So, you know, you almost got to kind of get in there and chance bumping some of them just to try to get that opportunity at that bull. So, I mean, like you said, it's not necessarily ideal, but it's, it's a play you made. And mm -hmm. next time you'll do that, it might work out. You never know. I mean, look at bows. We bumped those cows and we yeah. still, it still worked out. You know, it, you just never know what's going to happen sometimes. So Michael, what, what would you, what would you think would have changed that to help in your favor? Yeah. So, so we were actually talking about that and that, that, that question was, I was kind of like self-reflecting on the high column because it was a decent high column and just replaying it in my head, thinking to myself, how could I make that play better? What would it take to be successful on that situation if I was presented it again? And two things I was thinking about, I did read a lot of books. I went through the whole Elk 101 uh, 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 
University of Elkhorn. Yep, I went through that. Watched and listened to a ton of podcasts and YouTube videos, and really was just trying to take down a bunch of general info to put myself in a good position. And on the way out, I was like, man, I felt like I played it well because I didn't give away any of my positions. And then I, I one thing that came to mind is like, man, if I had a decoy, would they have wanted to come over because they might have had that that sight? They might have saw something because we we're so close. Could that have brought them in? I don't know, but I know for sure I'm not packing a, a any collapsible uh, decoy up there. And then the other one I think would have been a big help and Justin was kind of joking around about it after he's like I was like man if you were up here videotaping you would have amazing audio but I would have had you have uh turn that camera off and start raking if I had a second caller or a caller set up even 30 40 yards behind me I think I could have kept my position a little bit more secluded and been just another aspect of the whole rut fest and just been in the mix while the caller behind me, and and I think even though the wind, I know the wind was blowing to the cows and blowing to, to bulls, I don't think they, I know they never bumped because of the wind, so it was, it was fun, but I do think a caller would have helped. I thought maybe a decoy would, would be interesting to see what would happen there. I know I would not take it there so it's ruled out well the one thing about that let's go to the decoy thing real quick in I, I cannot speak from experience with this but from the university of elk hunting the online course Corey has a whole section on solo calling and that's one of the strategies is having one of those collapsible decoys and because of the, the same exact thing that you said with okay now they have your position pinpointed when you bugle Mm-hmm. If they can't get a visual sight, they'll get a little bit hung up. And that's what you hear in most elk stories when people are talking is, oh, I, I had them, but they're hung up at 50, 60 yards in some thick timber. And that's what you had where, you know, that might have helped. It might not have. It's it's hard to look back. and But it is good to reflect and kind of see that where I think is more realistic for our situation is having that second person, whether that be myself or Mason or Justin, you know, behind you or John or John yeah. and to be able to do that. But John's against bugling, so. <laughs> yeah, he's happy with me bugling on his hill. But uh, <laughs> it was one of those things, we're in them. And actually, we're doing this podcast. I just heard one rip up on the hill there. Yep. Yeah. So they're still hammering. They'll be doing that all night tonight, I bet you. But uh, um, a caller would have been amazing because there's also times there's so much there's so much activity. I couldn't, when I had to make a move, I didn't know where the elk were actually bugling from. It took me a little bit to be like, oh, shoot, they're over there. And I was already like three minutes late. It was always like, man, where does that bugle come from? An extra set of ears right in that time would have been huge. I think ears would have been very important in my mind. Yeah. So what? Uh, so what's the game plan for tomorrow then? Well, I know Mason has a tag and I have a tag. Um, I know where we hear them right now and where they were last night. A morning play is not ideal. It's not like I wouldn't do it. We did have a different morning plan, but um, with the amount of people moving in, I'm not. I, I don't know. I, I'm definitely gonna have to have a team here, team effort here. Uh, these elk being on the front slope, the only way we can get in is potentially bump them early in the morning, and I really would not want to do that because 
what occurred today, what we've seen the last four days, I know we have a pretty good beat on these elk. And and I think the play in my mind is let them get over the ridge top, let them get settled into the timber, let them do their thing. And if they're going to rut, we can get in there and hunt them. And, and we've all heard and watched the stories and listened to the podcast about people hunting the rut, a one o'clock bull, a 11 o'clock bull, where he leaves the cows that are bedded just to go check around. And with the amount of cows that are in there, I don't think that's a bad idea. I, I'm not speaking from experience, but I last thing, I, I just am big against bumping. You know, it's that mule deer type of hunting. If you bump a mule deer, it, so, you're in for a lot of work. I, I agree with, like, as far as I think they're going to be super active first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. But the way that, so to give kind of the listeners an idea, a visual, what's going on here is we have between us to get to them is an, basically an open meadow, giant, like open hillside. Big sage. Yeah, big sage. And to get to that, there's no, there, you basically were cliffed out to go in any other direction to try to beat them up into the bedding and thermals would be wrong. So if we can get some eyes on them in the morning, or if we can't get eyes on them more, we know they're we know in the timber they're already. Yep. And at that point, you could start slipping in. We get up there and let the thermals chill out, see if you can hear some bugles, and kind of go from there. And like you said, that I I think that you've you know you have a pretty good beat on where they're bedded at, the, where the cows have been bedded, and the bulls are going to be with them or close. I think uh, something that you you have going for you too is. I mean, how many elk could you say total you think total that you saw tonight? In the oh, same my herd? goodness. I mean, I'm going to say 20 to 30 cows. Raghorn, 5x5, 6x6, 6x8, 6x6. And a spike, 7 bulls, 20 to 30 cows, a whole nother group of 20 to 30 elk that I didn't even really put effort into. Saw them, observed them, knew they were there, and kept on my way because I was one of my detours around. I saw what I thought was an elk down in the bottom, like, holy smokes, my, those elk are in there. And I was like, well, time to go down there. And the uh, elk started back and forth challenge bugling each other, like one on top of another. I'm like, no, those are different elk. So I left them. And I'm going to say there's 20 to 30 elk there. Don't know if they have any bulls in them. I don't know. But just on our hillside, there's 60, 70 60, 70 head of cow and or 60, 70 head of elk in here. It's so what are you? Impressive. What are your goals going to be as far as if you have another chance at a raghorn or a five by five? Are you going to take that chance? Or are you going to? Oh yeah, definitely. I'm opportunity type of hunt. If I go in there and the only the biggest bull in there is a five by five, I'll shoot it. If I go in there and the biggest bull is a four by three, you know, raghorn three by three, whatever, I'll shoot it. It's definitely the idea of. What if the six by eights in there and the five by fives in there again? You had a similar scenario as you had tonight. Do you think you'd still make the same decision as you did tonight? Yep. Yeah, for sure. That it's just like, you know, I don't want to use the analogy I'm thinking right now, but there's definitely if there's a ten at the bar, you definitely go for the ten at the bar. (laughs) You're not you're not settling. (laughs) Just that it's there. I know it's there. It's it's an option. It can work. I was in range. I stalked in range on this thing multiple times. Right there's another bugle. If if I if I get in there, see the five by five, they're not screaming. The five by five, I'll shoot. If I get in there, the three by four is down in the meadow. There's no rod activity. 
I will, I will shoot three by four. I mean, to be honest, you might see a picture here in a week or two of me holding a, uh, with a cow. I, I have no problems with it and, and absolutely none at all. Yeah. And I, I think what you'll have going for you in the morning is there's so many cows and obviously a lot of bulls, there's going to be, they're all going to be better. They're going to be spread out. Right. Mm-hmm. And chances are there's a hot cow or two up in there because everything was going so crazy. So that bull, whoever the herd bull is, is going to be up checking his cows every so often. He's going to be bumping them around, checking, making a circle. So if you can slip in and find a bedded cow within, you know, bow range, you can sit and wait on that cow because chances are a bull will come to check her. It might take two or three hours, mm-hmm. but chances are that'll happen. And not to mention all those other bulls are going to be satellites. They're going to be coming in trying to pick cows off and he's going to be chasing them off here or there. And it's going to give you a lot of opportunity to either move or just sit there and wait for the right one to come in towards you. I mean, you know, you might watch him run off two or three, but all of a sudden one comes within range of you, he tries to run him off. You might get a shot at him, mm-hmm. you know? Mason, I know you were a little quiet here just for the, the today's hunt, but uh, what, what's your goal? What, what do you see as being a, in your mind, uh, a successful hunt, uh, opportunity you know presents itself what what would you, what would you see yourself doing here i'm confused with, uh i guess what are you asking what's what kind of quality of bull am i looking for would you shoot a cow would you shoot a bull would you shoot a five by five would you shoot a raghorn where are you at with uh, knowing what we've seen in here now in general i kind of just wanted a bull we, we're out here we have 14 days to hunt we're exactly halfway through the hunt now as of today and uh the closer we get to the end of the hunt. I'm more likely to take a cow, but uh, I don't. I'm not really ready to punch my tag yet, so I've been kind of holding out for a bull. I've had several opportunities on cows. Almost had one today, but I uh, got winded. Not sure if there's any other bulls in the in the herd, but we climbed up the very large peak today, and on the back side of it, we started climbing in there and spotted up some bedded cows right away, and kind of in a tough situation where we were cliffed basically cliffed out on one side open meadow below us and pinned down 80 yards from bedded cows we had nothing nothing we could do but hunker down and wait and see what happened and the winds rolled on us and screwed us but uh as far as tomorrow goes and probably the next day just wait wait and see what happens i don't i don't really have any expectations set in my head something gets me excited i'll i'll hammer it I thought you were going to say your main goal is to get your boots dried out there. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had dry boots in two days. <laughs> you guys can't Peter see. He's, good he's been sitting around the fire for the last two nights, rotating his boots from the left to the right side all night, trying to get them dried out. And just when he gets them dried out, he tries to cross a creek and he steps <laughs> in the water off a rock. First thing this morning, him and I are going to our glasset knob. Oh, I was, I was grumpy today. <laughs> Got my boots halfway dry last night. Six steps out of my tent today, soaked. <laughs> Slips off a rock and goes right in. I decided to say a smart comment. He didn't say anything. I thought maybe he didn't hear me, so I made another smart comment, which I know he heard. He still didn't say anything. I'm like, he is hot. Oh, I was a little grumpy this morning, yeah. Yeah. You knew he was grumpy when we're, we're sitting there on the, the glassing tent and we're, we're watching up above. And 
Mason looks at these cat, the cattle walking by. He goes, "You ever just want to punch a cow right in the face?" <laughs> and all the <laughs> kind of looked at him. We're like, "What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Where did this come from?" Mason's not a violent person. And then he kind of looked at me like he wanted to punch me in the face, so I just shut up. <laughs> I, I think a story worth telling is the uh, the five fifteen ear tag. Oh my god! Uh, someone, yeah, I'll take it if no one else wants to tell it. Though, if you right. want to, you tell definitely it. lead it up, and I will part take the part when we're in the field. Okay, but that's both good. definitely give all the front information. Mason, chime in. So. Justin and I were talking. We're like, Mason's deathly afraid of these cows for some reason. Maybe deathly afraid is not the right term, but that's what I'm going to use. And <laughs> so I think you came up with the idea, didn't you? Yeah. So I grew up on a dairy farm, right? So I've been around cows my whole life. And I, I could kind of see Mason. I, he wasn't on edge, but he'd always look at where the cows were. He's always keeping tabs on them, you know, checking on them. So well, I was always asking me, is, is there any bulls here? And I didn't really pick up on it until you said this statement. And uh, all of these, I mean, there's literally thousands of cows out here. They are everywhere, right? And I, I told Mason, I said, man, I, I stopped and talked to your rancher on the road here. And he said, you got to watch out for the ear tag 515 cow, wherever she is, because she is mean. And we, we were up glassing and there was cows everywhere. And we were all joking, 515 ear tag, this and that. And then later, was it that same day or the next day? It was that night. Okay. But the 515 kind of just got ended. Yeah, it, it stopped was, and no one said a word about it. And it was in everyone's, you know, in Mason's mind that I was waiting there. And we're cruising through. And uh, it was 1517, 1517. But it looked like 517. <laughs> it, it, just the one wasn't right there. Was And it just so happened, of all the numbers, of all the cows out here, we were... You, it was in the vicinity of the conversation had was cutting us off and wasn't a happy cow. And there's definitely sometimes when you're like, that cow's not real happy and just didn't want anything to do with us. Didn't want us there. Wanted to get to where he was going. And basically goes to me, Michael, is that the cow? I was like, what? <laughs> Cause I forgot about this point. I was like, what? He's like, is that, is that 515? I go, Oh, Man, I don't know. I can't remember what we were saying, but I was losing. I go, dude, and I just kept walking at this guy. I was like, they were messing with you because I didn't want to keep playing them too much. You should have. You should have, dude. He had his hand on the forty. I'm like, <laughs> boot cow. Shoot a cow. I'm like, I cannot. I was like, I just like. At least he would have had some meat to eat since Bo forgot to give us his back straps. <laughs> yeah, that's another story right there. Yeah, but yeah. when five seventeen came through, I was like, no. Typical, typical LB move. Yeah. That is an LB move. We <laughs> hike the bull down, sit her on the fire, no back straps. John's right. been trying to provide with a dough. He's been like the the meat provider. Yep. Bo failed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, guys. All right. Well, let's uh let's wrap this one up here and uh get ready for bed and get up in the morning and hopefully by tomorrow night we're packing out a bowl or have it packed out already, maybe two. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> that'll be that'll be good. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.